Thank you for joining us for another episode of COVID Conversations, a special presentation of OCPOD, the official podcast of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. These recordings began in December 2020 with the hope of discussing ongoing issues related to COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2. We hope you enjoy. This is COVID Conversations. I'm Erin Ransford, and I'm here with our hosts, Drs. Ismail Nabil and Manny Brenji, and our special guest, Dr. Tanisha Taylor. Dr. Nabil is the Deputy Medical Director of Employee Health, Safety, and Wellness for the Mount Sinai Health System and an Associate Professor in the Department of Environmental Medicine and Public Health at the Icon School of Medicine. He is a Fellow of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine and is the current Vice Chair of ACOM's Council on Scientific Affairs. Dr. Brenji is a board-certified physician specializing in occupational and environmental medicine, preventive medicine, and non-operative musculoskeletal medicine. An ACOM fellow, Dr. Brenji is active in the member communications committee and several special intersections. She is the advising physician for corporate medical advisors and is about to start a new role at the VA in Los Angeles County after several years at Boston Medical Center. Our guest, Dr. Taylor, is the Chief Medical Officer at Robert Wood Johnson Barnabas Health Corporate Care in New Jersey. She is an ACOM Fellow and the current Treasurer of the ACOM Board of Directors. Today is August 27, 2021. In this episode, we discuss the recent FDA approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, its impact on vaccine hesitancy, and the potential implications for vaccine mandates. Hello, Dr. Nabil, Dr. Brenji, and Dr. Taylor, our special guest today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for hosting us as always. It's always a pleasure. Special thanks to Tanisha today, who will be our special guest for big news, in in fact, that the uh, COVID-19 vaccines that were at some point and investigational drugs have been given formal FDA approval. Uh, It will not be called Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine anymore. Uh, They have changed the name. Comirnaty, I think. But we'll we'll get back to it. But um, having said that, I want to start with you, Tanisha. And what do you think is the implication for this big news, uh, particularly for occupational medicine specialists? Oh, thanks again for having me. Uh, I think this is excellent news. I think this is the news we've been waiting for. Uh, so our system actually went ahead and mandated the vaccine while it was under EUA, uh, which was met with some consternation. And we knew that the application for the FDA approval was in, uh, but we felt that we needed the vaccination rates to be uh, you know, higher, much quicker. So while we did not wait for the FDA approval, uh, we're certainly very uh, happy that it's here. This uh, came about on Monday, the 23rd. And I think for those who have uh, concerns or consternations about, you know, how fast uh, the EUA came about, I think for those uh, patients, employees, the public who have uh, concerns, I think this is reassuring for them. For those who need that stamp of approval, certainly. And for employers who will be met with, you know, whether they're going to plan to mandate the vaccine, I think they'll be able to do that uh, with uh, more support. Uh, and uh, I think those are two big implications for the uh, recent FDA approval. Great. Um, Manny, um, what do you think uh, in terms of other industries following uh, the lead on this and how it impacts airline industry uh, to big corporations, multinational corporations? 
does the, the, the FDA approval mean for mandatory vaccination? This is a major discussion point uh, in a variety of different industries across the United States and around the world right now, uh, especially with the announcement by Pfizer. Case in point, looking at CVS Health, uh, they actually announced right after the official approval by the FDA uh, that they're requiring both their patient-facing as well as their corporate employees to get their vaccines by October 31st. So there's already a lot of momentum by a variety of different corporations to really motivate their employees to get the shot. Uh, unfortunately, there are some companies that are really trying to uh, encourage their respective workforce to get vaccinated, but don't necessarily want to penalize uh, individual employees. Um, right now, the carrot and stick approach, uh, whereas some companies want to uh, provide incentives, I know there was this one company in California that was offering $1,000 to each employee if they got vaccinated uh, by the end of October, for instance. Uh, then you have other employers who are still really focusing on the voluntary aspect of getting individuals vaccinated. Um, but right now, the general momentum across most corporations across the United States is to start mandating vaccinations. And the timelines pretty much vary uh, anywhere from the end of September to the beginning of November. So every employer is going to have to understand their respective workforces, understanding the dynamics within their organizations, understanding the community transmission rates uh, in their respective uh, locations, and really trying to get as many folks vaccinated by whatever means necessary. So going back, the question that gets asked most of the time, and I think, Tanisha, you must have answered that a lot, but um, some people have continue to have concerns that the FDA process is expedited for this particular vaccine and does not really, uh, the, the, the concern from them is it might not have followed the usual process of FDA approval. What do you, what do you think, uh, and can you put some more light on that subject? Oh, certainly. So, of course, the EUA, you understand that was an emergency situation. So we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, with preliminary safety data. They allow the vaccines to be rolled out under the EUA. However, the FDA requires six months of you know full follow-up safety data, which we now have. Uh, and so Pfizer was approved. Uh, so yeah, no steps were skipped. The process was comprehensive and uh, the vaccines uh, are safe. And we're short of that uh, in the public. So I would say that uh, that's reassuring. Uh, and I know Moderna is probably gonna follow suit. I think uh, Moderna's uh, application was in a month after, and then I know J&J is already planning to have um, an application in uh, shortly. And it's very important to understand that there has been substantial safety data that has been accumulating since the launch um, of these vaccine. And even with EUA, uh, there's millions of individuals have received the shot. It's been scrutinized um, and looked at regarding side effects associated with these vaccines very carefully. And FDA also did the due process uh, to make sure that uh, if they're approving a vaccine that meets all the safety criteria that they can gather. And, and there's some encouraging news in all fronts. What do you guys think about uh, news about pregnant females. Sometimes 
subset of individuals that are very worried about their child's safety or, or safety of the unborn child. Any comments? Yeah, absolutely. So in healthcare, certainly a lot of our employee population are women of reproductive age or nurses and so on. Uh, so we do have um, a large uh, population that are you know, currently pregnant. Those are some of the major uh, exemption requests that we're receiving right now. As you know, the ACOG, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they've recommended that pregnant women get the vaccine. And I saw quite recently CDC also has come out and said that pregnant women should get the, the vaccine. Of course, we know uh, illness in COVID illness in pregnant women uh, you know, is associated with, you know, high morbidity. Uh, so it's better for pregnant women to get the vaccine. Having said that also, studies have since come out to say that it's safe, the vaccine is safe among pregnant women. So we are dealing with some of the exemptions. We're having to re-educate some of our, um, you know, OB that are providing these exemption requests. Uh, so we're in the challenge of, of those right now. We have until, uh, our deadline date is October 15th. So we're giving uh, some time for some back and forth. Uh, for more information uh, so we can uh, communicate with uh, some of the OBs in the community. But uh, our medical exemption committee is fully uh, supporting that pregnant women are vaccinated. That segues us uh, more towards uh, a mandatory vaccination or vaccine mandate that some institutions have uh, initiated. You think with the FDA approval, the process is much more seamless? Not necessarily, Ishmael. Uh, depending on the industry, um, vaccine mandates are still very controversial, even with the FDA's recent approval of the Pfizer vaccine, especially in the restaurant industry. Uh, I know that there's been some discussions uh, within McDonald's, for instance, and uh, trying to encourage as many of their front-facing, public-facing uh, workers to get vaccinated, as well as folks working on the back end. And there's been a constant uh, discussion about when to actually have uh, office workers return back into the actual physical office. Given the Delta variant spread across the United States over the last six to eight weeks, uh, a lot of uh, different companies have had to push back their respective return to work dates into the physical brick and mortar office. And there's continuous debate about whether vaccines will even provide adequate protection in light of the Delta variant, there's still a lot of back and forth uh, in various industries about the utility of vaccines and, you know, adding the mandate component might potentially uh, alienate individual workers who uh, want to be able to protect themselves and their families. Um, so it's not as seamless as we would expect. I do think it has helped pave the way for uh, places to, to make uh, require, vaccine requirements. I know here in Illinois, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker just yesterday, which was August 26th, announced uh, a new indoor mask mandate for everywhere in the entire state that starts Monday, as well as vaccination requirements for all teachers and staff, all higher education personnel, all higher education students, and all healthcare workers uh, in hospitals, nursing homes, urgent care, and doctor's offices. So that was just, I don't know what other states are, are doing that, but um, uh, I, I know here here in Illinois, we now have uh, brand new actual vaccine mandates, which I think they were waiting to do until there was FDA approval of at least one of the vaccines. Uh, just regarding the vaccine in terms of uh, the breakthrough infections, and particularly with regard to Delta variant, there have been breakthrough infections. We know that. Uh, however, I say that the vaccine, the two dose of the mRNA vaccine, especially Pfizer, including Pfizer, uh, is still significantly protective. We're talking on the 
order of 88% to uh, 90% protective against uh, hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, so there's still a significant amount of protection that's being uh, provided by the vaccine. So we still recommend the vaccines to protect against the Delta variant in that regard, but we will see some breakthrough infections. So we still have to uh, not only vaccinate, but also utilize our non-pharmacologic in interventions like masking uh, and uh, physical distancing and so on. I also had a comment about the process of you know, mandating the vaccines. The ADA and the uh, and you know, Title VII and the EOC doesn't outrightly address mandating vaccines. A lot of those uh, implementation were addressing disability, for example, not necessarily a pandemic and not necessarily a vaccination. Still, an employee has to do due process when you know dealing with medical exemptions, uh, whether you know medical and/or religious exemptions, in terms of you know privacy issues, keeping individuals' personal data, medical data, confidential. So those things still apply. Uh, however, the law is, does not you know, say that you can't mandate uh, the vaccine, uh, but just certain steps have to be taken uh, in terms of how individual patient data is handled, reasonable accommodations when they can be made have to be made. And so right now we're dealing with that on a case-by-case -case basis. We're reviewing all the exemptions as they're coming in, medical and religious, those who are approved, for exemptions, they have to undergo weekly uh, COVID testing as per our local governor's recommendations and order. Yeah, that's the same here. If anybody that's uh, unwilling or unable to receive a vaccine has to get tested at least once a week for COVID-19. So going going back to the question of uh, mandatory vaccination post FDA approval, uh, my question here pertains to counseling CEOs of the companies and taking a, a position that mandatory requirement for vaccination is exceptionally important. I can speak to that, Ishmael. So I've been having these conversations for the last few weeks with uh, a variety of different folks in the C-suite, ranging from oil and gas to food industry. And the general consensus is really focusing on ways to protect the workforce. Um, I know uh, a lot of companies out there really want to be proactive when it comes to vaccinations. Many of them are actually uh, connecting with their local public health departments uh, to have uh, vaccine clinics uh, right on the premises to encourage employees to get vaccinated and making it easier for them to do so, um, which has actually reamed a, a lot of benefits uh, for these respective organizations in terms of reducing the number of COVID infections. Clearly, employers care about this. We want to be able to provide uh, the highest quality information when it comes to vaccinations. And if we're able to demonstrate that vaccinations will help to reduce the number of individuals out uh, because of COVID infections, then we can make that business case to uh, corporate America. As you imagine, in a healthcare system, the conversation was much easier to be had uh, because you know we can argue direct threat, so threat to our, our employees and our patients. Uh, so you know we have that argument of you know COVID illness, the detrimental effects uh, on our patients and our employees. So uh, the mandate actually came from the C-suite down. So it was not us convincing the C-suite. Um, it came more of a mandate on down. So that process was a little bit easier in our setting. Really interesting way of implementing COVID vaccination across different working populations. Um, so, Tanisha, a question about individuals who were or are still at the fence of getting vaccines. Did, did FDA approval nudge them forward? 
do you see that in your practice? That's a great question. You know, I have not had those conversations as yet with my immediate patients. As as I told you, it's a mandate. So pretty much they're going to have to get the vaccine or apply for an exemption, whether medical or religious. So today is actually the deadline date for applications for medical and religious exemptions. I'm on the medical exemption committee. Uh, the religious exemption committee is uh, mainly HR, human resources, or legal team and uh, you know chaplains as needed. So um, that's a great point. I would think it would, but I haven't had those direct conversations. I think that if people um, see that uh, the Pfizer vaccine in particular got that strongest endorsement of safety and effectiveness, you know, from the FDA, that would sway them. You know, that's what we're hoping. But I haven't had those on the street conversations as yet. Uh, but uh, the general consensus that I'm hearing uh, is that I think it would and it should. It's an important thing to sort of consider, I guess, um, because hopefully some individuals who are still considering that this is an experimental vaccine and only received emergency use authorization post FDA full approval of the vaccine makes it easier uh, to decide on getting the vaccine. Many, uh, the question that I am uh, puzzled with is some companies and one in the news uh, is an airline company who, who decided not to go with vaccine mandate and the employees who are not getting vaccinated uh, they will be charged a premium on their health insurance. Do you think that might be the the way that some of the corporate America might go? Yeah, actually, uh, the company that you're mentioning is Delta Airlines. So uh, they actually came out with an announcement in the past week or so stating that, uh, at least with respect to uh, individual employees who, for whatever reason, choose not to get vaccinated, that they will be expected to pay an additional surcharge uh, in addition to their uh, health care premiums. And if you look at the basis for this decision by Delta, they really wanted to put the onus on the individual employee that if they, God forbid, get COVID, end up getting hospitalized, that they actually have to uh, contribute to the eventual costs that are associated with that hospitalization. Um, I heard data from Delta stating that it costs upwards of $40,000 for uh, each employee to cover their hospitalizations and respective uh, healthcare expenditures as a result of a COVID infection. So there's definitely discussions happening uh, not only within Delta, but other airlines and other uh, corporations uh, as to how do they encourage folks to get vaccinated but at the same time, having a way to recoup some of the potential costs that are associated with uh, hospitalizations uh, as a result of a COVID-19 infection. That is not the case that we can make in a healthcare institution, uh, Tunisia. I think that uh, the cost of uh, taking care of the patients who are immunocompromised or sick, I, I think mandatory vaccination for employees might be the right way to go. Yeah, the thought that just occurred to me, one of the discussions I was having with the C-suite was, as you know, for those employees who receive an exemption, they would have to undergo weekly COVID testing. And so some of our neighboring systems are having the employees absorb that cost 
And our system was not willing to do that. They wanted to absorb the cost themselves. So I don't think, I'm not getting the sense they're going to put any uh, financial burden on the uh, those employees who were not did not receive the vaccine. That's the sense that I'm getting from discussions in the C-suite. But that's an interesting um, dynamic and discussion. So the stick versus the carrot. Uh, so of course, you know, we've mandated, like I mentioned, uh, but we're not adding any on additional undue expenses. Did you experience any pushback from employees? And if so, how did you deal with it? Yes, there definitely has been some and there will be. I think uh, that's going to be an ongoing issue. So we just want to deal with that and, you know, as heartfelt and uh, as compassionate as possible being in healthcare. So we do have to be considerate of our employees also. So we allow, you know, some degree of medical consultation where they can sit in and talk with the, the occupational medicine physician or any other uh, designated providers about their questions or concerns, meet them where they are. But what I found is uh, most of the employees, you know, once their questions are answered, they're willing to get the vaccine. I still ask, you know, issues about, you know, uh, what, you know, what side effects did you have? Side effects are still a big concern, of course. People just want to wait and see what what's happening in other employees who've received the vaccine. You get a little bit of that. Um, they're curious to see, you know, how other people react to it. Uh, so I've gotten a few of those requests and, you know, questions and concerns from uh, nurses, like I mentioned on one of my presentations today. Uh, we had a recent exposure. There's a lot of talk about PPE and we're you know, still having issues with exposure with breach of PPE. And uh, some of our nurses who recently was exposed tested positive. So this was a wake up call. So when I interviewed them, they had not received the vaccine. So I think that, you know, you could see the wheels turning in their heads. It's like, OK, it's time to get the vaccine. But now that, you know, they're they're exposed and you know they have to wait uh the quarantine period since they tested positive uh to get the vaccine at some subsequent point uh we're already talking uh boosters in fact boosters are already available in our system uh they have mandated the, the booster yet we're still trying to get through uh the first round uh, uh but boosters are available for those who got their vaccine doses early on uh that includes myself uh so that's great that we have that available so we're the we're definitely moving things along. Uh, we're just trying to educate as much as we can. We're doing one-on-one -on -one consultation and we're trying to be as compassionate and understanding as we can be. Some of it does involve educating some of the providers that are providing these medical exemptions. The religious exemption is, is a bit challenging, but I know they're working through that um, on our various committees. Is religious exemption something that's decided on an organization by organization basis, or is there any precedent for the federal government to get specific as to what a religious exemption would entail? We're dealing with it on an organization by organization level, Beth. Um, but I haven't heard any blanket statements as yet that would be good to know. But uh, as far as I know, they're taking it on a case by case basis. Aaron, you brought in a very important point. I think the consistency uh, in terms of I know we're doing things a little bit more piecemeal than we would like to have. But over time, a consensus will emerge. Um, and especially, I think the healthcare organization might lead the way. And I think as an organization and occupational medicine uh, physicians or experts in this field, we can certainly uh, create these uh, processes more seamless for other organizations to follow. And I think it's a good example that uh, healthcare um, is sort of moving forward with exemption processes. And I, I, I can say the same thing as Tanisha said, that uh, most of the organizations are still learning in how to address these very concerning issues for some individuals. Um, but uh, hopefully in future, we might have more consistent standards that we can apply in non-healthcare entities or settings. 
just a question about the future. So I think we all perceive the future differently. I'm always an eternal optimist. But you think that mandatory vaccination will happen every year? Uh, yeah, Ishmael. I think we can look at flu vaccines as uh, an example. Uh, we uh, in the healthcare industry have been able to make that case year after year that employees have to get vaccinated. Otherwise, there will be potential consequences. So I feel that coronavirus is going to go in that direction. Um, we can also see you know, recent data coming out with respect to the boosters. Um, I know Pfizer just came out with some recent data this past week showing that a booster dose of its vaccine provided up to a threefold increase in neutralizing antibodies. So that's actually going to provide more evidence that having routine vaccinations uh, year after year similar to what's being done for flu, will be the norm. So we'll see where, where things go in the next uh, four to six months, especially as more data comes out, uh, looking at the efficacies uh, over time. But we already know that COVID-19 two-dose vaccine series from Pfizer lasts about eight months. So encouraging uh, uh, folks to get booster shots uh, is going to be uh, something that I'm going to be recommending to all my patients. And hopefully with uh, further studies coming out uh, from across the world, we can gain more insights into the benefits of boosters. We know that vaccine mandates work. Uh, flu was the example, but, you know, as simple as, you know, requirements for you know, children going to school, you know, the vaccine mandates. Uh, so I think this is definitely the wave of the future. I think this is how we're going to move forward. Uh, and we know that um, in terms of healthcare workers, that uh, mandates work. Our current vaccination rate is 74% for COVID-19 vaccinations. I don't think we would have gotten to that level without the mandate in place, to be honest. We wanted to get there, we wanted to get there fast. Uh, and with our influenza vaccination program, our vaccination rate is super high, it's like 98%. I don't think you'll get to those levels without a mandate in place. So our exemption rates are very low, about one to 2% at most. and. Uh, we're expecting something similar for the COVID vaccine. Uh, so yet we know that mandates work. Uh, we have to protect our population. We have to protect our patients and our employees. And I think that's the way to go. Yeah, well said. I, I think vaccine, COVID vaccine are here to stay. Moving forward, I think uh, there's more questions we all have. And I think as a community, as occupational medicine experts, we can develop some, some really good consensus on things. We'll start to develop standards on how to move forward, getting uh, more and more employees, workers vaccinated against this dreaded disease. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate your input. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And a special thanks again to our guest, Dr. Taylor. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with another edition of COVID Conversations.